I want you to take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 16, if you would. I have entitled this message, First Things First. And this has been something that's been on my heart a lot lately. I guess a lot of events that have happened in our own life uh, as a family, things that have happened in our church, as well as uh, devotions and just thoughts in, in my personal time with the Lord have brought me back to this thought. What are we doing for eternity's sake? What are we doing that is going to last beyond us and beyond our life? What are we doing to make an eternal impact for Christ? And to keep the first things first in our life, it involves prioritizing. It involves us day in and day out evaluating our life and prioritizing our life, prioritizing that which is most important over that which is less important. Prioritizing that which is of eternal over that which is temporary. So with that thought in mind, I want to direct us as a church to a question. How important is it as a church to have and to maintain a vision for reaching and ministering to our community? As a church family, how important is it that a church has and maintains a vision for reaching and ministering to its community? And the Bible speaks to this in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18. Gives us this important reminder, where there is no vision, the people perish. Would you say that with me? Where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, without vision, we lack direction. We're like sheep wandering out in a pasture. We gather on Sundays, we leave, and we feel good about the fact that we gathered together on the weekend. Without maintaining a vision and staying on mission, we will not effectively impact our community for Christ. That's why Vision Sunday is important. It's why throughout the year we have to constantly bring ourselves back to our mission and why we are here and the truth is that that's happened in a lot of churches there are a lot of churches who simply gather on the weekends they go home and they feel good about the fact that they gathered on the weekends and they see each other the next weekend and there's nothing in between and let me just say according to the word of God that is not God's mission for the church It is part of it. It's part of our mission together. It's part of our mission to come in here and to be encouraged and to worship and to fellowship together. But in the absence of vision, a church may settle for routine over impact. Just going through the motions or comfort over calling. Listen, God has not called us as a church just to come in here in a nice warm building and worship him and be comfortable. He has sent us out as a calling to go into our community and to impact people's lives and souls eternally. That's what he's called us to do. Without an ongoing clear vision of what we should be living for and investing in, what happens without that constant reminder in front of us, we can all give testimony to this, all of us who have been saved for any amount of time. And, and I'm often, I think it's interesting, I should say, 
that the people who have been saved the shortest amount of time sometimes are the most expressive people in their worship. They're the most joyful people as they walk in. Why is that? Because they haven't yet gotten over what God has done in their heart and their life. Why do we have these times of uh, of vision and reminding ourselves of, of our mission and God's expectation for us? It is so that we will not become apathetic and lukewarm. None of us as Christians ought to desire that, but the truth is is that we've all been there, right? Including your preacher. We've all found times where we're just kind of going through the motions and we're apathetic. And Jesus speaks to this in Revelation chapter 3 when he says, I know thou thy works that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou were hot or cold. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, it makes him sick when he sees a lukewarm Christian. So what is our vision for that which will matter in eternity? For that which will matter in eternity. Because listen, a vision for a business is great, right? You ought to have a vision for your business. A vision for financial freedom in your family is commendable. That ought to be something that we are all striving for. A vision for better health and wellness. Not as important, but it's okay. Bodily exercise profits little, but it does profit a little. But listen, if we have vision for all those things which are not bad, but they're all temporary, right? This body, it's decaying. It's, it's, it's not going to be here forever. Your business, as important as it is, it's not going to be here forever. The things that we live in and drive and our bank accounts, they're not going to be here forever. So although it's commendable to have a vision in those areas, if we have a vision in all those temporary areas and we fail to have spiritual vision, kingdom vision, then the consequences of that are catastrophic. That's what Proverbs says. Where there is no vision, it's not just that a business falls. It's not just that we don't have any more money in our bank account. The result of that is what? People perish. And that's catastrophic. And as we go into another year, it's important that we reevaluate our lives, all of us, including your pastor, that we make sure that the first things are first in our schedules, that we without question give to God of the first fruits of all of our increase, great or small, that we don't fill our life doing good things and miss the best thing or miss the main thing, that we don't fill our days doing everything except that which God has left us here to do. You say, what is that? To make disciples. To make disciples. That's why we're here. You see, the last words of Jesus on this earth, the very last thing that he said should be our first priority as Christians. Because when he was leaving this earth, he told us 
what our mission was. And he says it in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, this is just before he goes back to heaven to be with his Father. It says that he came to them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now notice what he says. Go, circle that word in your Bible. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Literally, to make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. How many of you are thankful for that last promise right at the end of it? In other words, I haven't given you this mission for you to accomplish alone, but I will be with you. I will help you. I will give you the power to accomplish all that I have called you to accomplish. And so the Great Commission really can be summarized in these four words that I would encourage you to mark in that text. Go, teach, baptize, teach. Say those four words. Go, teach, baptize, teach teach go and teach about salvation baptize and then teach them how to live the Christian life that is the complete commission that God has given us so what is our vision for that which will matter in eternity that is the question that we are looking at this morning the spiritual vision of every child of God must be then to make disciples So we could say this, if there is one thing, there's a lot of things we can do, right? There's a lot of things we can do as a church. There's a lot of things you can do as an individual. But there is one thing we must do, and that is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the one thing he's given us to do, church. The power of an invite, the power of investing in the spiritual progress of someone else. And this morning's sermon is going to be a little bit different than, than typical because we're going to have a testimony in the middle of the sermon. Y'all okay with that? Yeah. All right, good, because we're going to do it anyway, whether you are or not. But I want you to see a visual this morning from our church of how this should work time and time again. And I'm going to have some people come up here to, to illustrate visually. Miss Deborah Welshin, if you would come first of all, you and, and Miss Sue Lewis, my mother-in-law, my precious, wonderful, sweet mother-in-law. I have a great one. But I want to tell you a little bit of a little story, all right, and how this works. But Miss Deborah Welshin was one day heard a sermon on a Sunday morning. Now, Miss Deborah, y'all just come stand right here. Miss Deborah and Miss Sue. But Miss Deborah was a, a, a newcomer to Jamestown before all the other newcomers came, all right? She, she uh, they don't have to, okay, they can stand up here. That's fine. They're here now, so we don't want them to go down. But Miss Deborah was, her and Brother Richard were here when, when I first came, and I, I can remember uh, the Lord working in their life through the sermons, and they had not been here too long, but I I remember me giving our church a challenge to take some of our gospel invite cards and to use them wherever they are to begin gospel conversations. And I remember Miss Deborah said, I'd never done that before, but tonight I'm taking some invite cards and I'm praying that on my walk in my Jamestown neighborhood, whatever that is, um, that I'm going to have some people that I can encounter. 
She was praying for those opportunities. Miss Cindy Dean, would you come and stand up here? And also Miss Karina Beatty. So Miss Deborah Welshin's walking down the street one day, and she runs into Miss Cindy Dean. Come on up here, Miss Karina, and stand by Miss Cindy. Now, I should mention this, that Miss Deborah went through our discipleship program with Miss Sue. It built a bond and a, a friendship and something that will last forever, didn't it? Miss Karina began to take Miss Cindy through discipleship. I'm getting ahead of myself. Miss Deborah was walking down the street one day, and she sees Cindy Dean coming, and she says, okay, the Lord puts it on her heart. Here's your chance. Here's your chance. And I may have a few of the details wrong, but I know that Miss Deborah gives her an invite card and invites her to come or invites her to come and sit with them in church. And the next week, here is Miss Cindy Dean right there. And I believe it was the first Sunday you were here. Miss Cindy had moved here from up north from Massachusetts and her husband had passed away and she had moved to, to Jamestown with her horses and God brought her here. God brought her here because he had a divine encounter on her road one day where a lady who had, who had been convicted by the Holy Spirit to, have, to be a witness was going to run into her and invite her to church. And that invite turned into the salvation of Miss Cindy Dean. I can remember the Sunday like it was yesterday. She was sitting there and it was like it was me and Cindy Dean. I know some of you were here, but it was me and Cindy Dean. She was locked in the whole time. At the end of the service, she came and she gave her heart and her life to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't noticed, she is a new creature in Christ Jesus. God has done a transforming work in her life. She went through discipleship with Miss Karina, and God built again a bond and then Miss Sue Faust. Miss Sue, would you come up here for just a moment? And Kim, my wife. Because Miss Cindy was so excited about what God had done in her life that she had to tell everybody that she saw about what God had done in her life. And one of those ladies was Miss Sue Faust. Another person that God had brought to Jamestown, Tennessee. Not by accident, by divine appointment to hear the gospel in Miss Miss Cindy invites Miss Sue, and Miss Sue comes for several weeks. And Miss Sue comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and many of you will remember that she was baptized, and she shared her testimony with our church, and she went through discipleship with my wife. And again, God built a deep bond that will last forever. But then there is, it doesn't stop there. Miss Lynn Schuster, Miss Lynn, would you come this morning? And Miss Delilah. This is the revival at Ridgetop, all right? But Miss Sue, I believe it was Miss Sue and Miss Cindy, both of you knew Miss Lynn, and both of them began to invite Miss Lynn to our church, and Miss Lynn began to come and and you're going to hear Miss Lynn's testimony, but God has done a transforming work in her life and her heart as well. And Miss Delilah will also, I've asked her to kind of share the impact of discipleship on 
her life. But do you see how this works? Go, teach, baptize, teach. It doesn't just stop with you being saved, but with you investing in someone else. And so everybody except for Miss Lynn and Miss Delilah, y'all can all be seated. But would y'all praise the Lord with me for what God has done in these lives? This is the impact of the Great Commission. This is the impact when you, when you begin to pour into someone else. And so, Miss Lynn, I want you to come and just read or share your testimony, whatever you want to do for the next few moments. And, and then Miss Delilah, right after she's done, you share with her. Maybe you want to stand up there with her and give her some support. I moved to Jamestown 10 years ago, near about. And, um, and I just recently moved to Cookville. And I miss everyone so much. But um, I was saved back in 1977, March 27, 1977, at a little Baptist church in a small community. And I went to church, and I got my education, and I moved to town, Athens, Alabama, and went to the next little bigger church and was really involved in witnessing single adults and, and church and Sunday school and choir and all those things. And it was wonderful. And I learned we had a pastor that was educational, like um, Pastor Josh's. And, and it's, it's not just about a sermon and a message, it's, it's like life. And, um, and then I moved again and again and, and made some decisions in my life that weren't great and um, eventually stopped going to church and sort of wandered away. And I, but I never felt like God abandoned me. I was the one that walked away. But I always knew that God was still watching out for me. And he's always there. And little by little, over all these years and all these circumstances, because everything we do touches the life of others somehow. And, and that's where discipleship, whether you even know it or not, your life touches other people in lots of ways. And I remember Kim talking about being an image bearer um, of Christ. And I sort of felt like I was doing okay, but I really didn't have that, that oomph and spirit. And so, so then I was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, and that's been three and a half years ago. I'm doing okay. I'm standing here today and above the ground. That's, every day is a good day. Every day is a good day. And, um, and so I thought about finding a church, and, 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 and just my, my spiritual life just came smacking me in the face, and the Holy Spirit says, you know, and sent Cindy and Sue, and they had started coming to church, and I would hear, and they always invited me, and for some reason, I just wasn't ready, and so um, I, one uh, August, it was when Mr. Baldwin, uh, Pastor Baldwin was here, and Cindy had invited me, and Sue had invited me too, and I think she was out of town then, but, um, so I came on a Tuesday night, maybe, and he was amazing. He reminded me of that little bitty church in Harvest, Alabama that I first went to. And his spirit just grabbed me. And, and then the Holy Ghost started saying, you know, get, 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 get. And he kept putting little things in my way. And Cindy and Sue kept inviting me. And then they started talking about discipleship classes. And I started coming. I first came with Cindy on a Wednesday night because I just didn't know if I could do the Sunday with all the people and all of that, and I hadn't, I'm sort of a invisible sort of person, and um, so anyway, I came, and it was good, 
and Pastor Josh wasn't here at that time. He was away, and someone else was speaking. And then she invited me again, and I came on a Sunday, and, and I loved it. It was just immediate love and compassion from everyone. And then I came on Sunday school, and then I came on Sunday night, and I came on Wednesday night. And so he started coming, coming, coming. And, and then some really traumatic things happened, and I had an occasion to speak with Kim, and um, she helped counsel me in, in a very Christian way. And everything she said, it was like God was talking to me through her. And I rededicated my life to Christ then. And I started coming real regular and getting to know people and being involved in things and as limited as I can for my weird schedule of chemo and all that. But um, And then, hearing about the discipleship, bro, I asked him, I said, can I do discipleship if I'm not discipleship if I'm not a member? Because I don't I don't know about all that member stuff. You know, it's just kind of beyond me. It's not anything I really thought about actually. I'm so sorry. But I feel like I'm a member because this church this is the worst thing about moving was that I miss everyone so so much and the and the gifts of this church is is amazing. So I thought, okay, Delilah's in our Wednesday night Bible study and I don't know, somehow the Lord just kept saying, Well you need to ask her, you need to ask her. And so I asked Kim, and she said, yeah, you could do it if you're not a member. And so I asked Miss Delilah if she could be my discipleship leader. And, you know, she'll tell you, but um, she prayed about it and decided to do that. And I can tell you that I've been in church for several years. Uh, I wasn't raised in church, but my parents were very um, good, moral people, you know, different backgrounds. But they, they raised us well. And, um, and so I went to church, and they didn't have discipleship then, as you know it now, and so mostly you learn with Sunday school and outreach and, and church, and, and that was great, but I guess it wasn't enough for me, strong enough for me, I didn't have any information, but anyway, so life goes on, and here all these 45 years have passed, and um, so I start discipleship, and the book that we used, um, Living the Exchange, in the very first chapter, there was a page that had a cross, and it had, you put your name here, and it has all these things in our human sinful nature, and you have Jesus' name here, and his, his wonderful, perfect qualities of love and kindness. And so it asks you to put yourself in the name of Jesus' place, and Jesus there for um, taking our sins, and I couldn't do it. I could not put my name on that part of the cross. And um, so a, a couple of, two weeks or so went by and the information, the love, the, the friendship, and just the love and the knowledge of Christ and God's word in this church is unbelievably fabulous. Um, and little by little, as I learn more, and I learn things that I didn't learn in those five to seven years I was going to church and Sunday school. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not real bright. I don't know. But anyway, I'm sort of slow, and I'm an experiential learning, so I have lots of experiences. Some good and some not so good. But, um, but anyway, through that discipleship program, I learned more than I ever thought. I started reading the Bible, and I started listening to things and doing Bible studies and all. I, I, I don't do TV. I don't do all that media stuff because I don't want my brain infiltrated with stuff. But um, so I spent more and more and more time reading and learning. And it was just the most wonderful thing. 
you can't imagine. Each, each lesson, each week, it was like, wow, wow, wow. And then you go back. Here's week five, and I'm back over here in week two and doing and looking up scripture. I have all these scriptures I've written out and filled, and I still to this day go back and read every page of those scriptures that were important to me during that discipleship. I'm not real good with memory. I cannot memorize anymore. My brain has been affected terribly by all these drugs and poisons. But, um, and, um, and so I just have to go back and read it. But the discipleship program is amazing. And even if you've been a Christian maybe a long time, sometimes you just get a whole different view about things. But I'm so, so, so thankful for Delilah and her friendship and her guidance and her image bearing to, to me has been wonderful. So thank you all. Lynn came to me after Sunday school a few months back and told me that she wanted to go through discipleship and that she felt impressed to ask me if I would lead her. I immediately thought I could not lead anyone uh, because I'd not been through it myself. I felt nervous and very unworthy to lead anyone in discipleship. So I told her I'd pray about it. I was sure God would not want me to lead anyone through discipleship. I'm not sure I heard a word that Brother Josh preached that morning. I could not get my mind off of her request. I kept thinking about how I had been saved since I was 14, how I had been so blessed and how little I had done for him. I was unworthy and very weak in biblical knowledge. And then I remembered how that God equips the willing servant. So maybe I should just trust him. By the end of the service that morning, I knew I had to do it. And I just had to trust God to help me. So by the end of the service, I went to Lynn and told her that I would do it. I had no idea what I had signed up for. <laughs> I was nervous um, going to our first meeting. I had studied and I had done a lot of praying. And I had asked God to guide my every word because I did not want to mislead Lynn. You've only heard a very small portion of Lynn's story. I'm not sure that I wasn't blessed more than she was. It was amazing to watch her grow in her faith. And as we studied through the discipleship book and we read lots and lots of scripture, we uncovered lots of little nuggets and benefits that we have through our personal relationship with the Lord that we often miss out on because we don't truly surrender our entire life over to him. God loves us, and he'll never leave us. We may stray from him, but he's always waiting with open arms for us to turn back to him. We talked a lot about having faith and trusting God to help us with the big and the little things. Praying with Lynn about struggles in her life and watching God direct her as she has worked through the struggles, has been such a blessing to me. Each week I could see God working in Lynn's heart and her life. Early on we talked about how God speaks to us through his word 
people and circumstances. Lynn had told me that she didn't think God was speaking to her. However, she would share things that told me God clearly was speaking to her. I specifically remember the day that she shared uh, something that had happened and immediately she just lit up with this huge smile and she said, God is speaking to me, isn't he? That time we had a little crying spell. We serve a really big God and I believe he's going to use Lynn in a big way. She had told me that, she said, I, I don't see how God could use me, but trust me, he is and he's going to use her. I want to encourage you, don't miss out on a blessing. I encourage you to try discipleship, either as a student or a leader. Going through it with Lynn has been one of the biggest blessings that I've received. God has blessed us, our time studying, praying, and crying together. And I believe it's given us a lifelong friendship. And I do believe he's going to use Lynn in big ways. Amen. I want you to see and know what God is doing in this church and what he wants to do through our church. I'm not going to get into any more of the, the sermon this morning. And no amens there, all right? But... As Paul Harvey says, you'll have to come back next week for the rest of the story, all right? And I'm trusting that you will, okay? Because this is so important for our church. But I want to just recap everything this morning by us all asking ourselves, what are we doing that is going to last beyond us, beyond us? What are we doing for eternity's sake? Are we willing to prioritize our life in such a way that we are truly seeking first the kingdom of God. Maybe you're here today and you've seen these folks who are on stage and you have never come to the place where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today, just as Jesse did a few weeks ago and just as Miss Cindy did and just as Miss Sue did and just as Brother Larry did and many others who are sitting around here who have given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, you can do that today. Today can be your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if the Spirit of God is working in your heart today and He is drawing you to a decision of faith in Jesus Christ, I beg of you not to leave here today without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. By simply acknowledging that you are a sinner and repenting of your sin and turning in faith to Jesus Christ and giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I promise you in this life and in eternity, you will not ever regret that decision. It's the most important decision you will ever make. For those of us who have been saved and maybe you're away from the Lord and Miss Lynn didn't get into all of her story, but she was saved and I couldn't even hear much of her testimony back here, but she was saved earlier in life. But how many of you know that John 10.10 10 is true? The thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. 
And he doesn't quit after you become a Christian either. He is still out to destroy your relationships and all the God-ordained things in your life. He wants to rip them from you. He wants to make our lives here ineffective. And for many years, he did that with Miss Lynn. And she entered a relationship she never should have entered and, and, and just went down a path she never should have went down. And honestly, she never saw a way out of it. And if we're honest... We kind of never saw a way out of it. But with God, all things are possible. And when we repent and when we turn from our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And yes, use us again for his kingdom. And through discipleship, Miss Lynn made a decision, a very difficult decision, a a decision that would be hard, a decision that caused her to have to move away from our town to do what she knew God wanted her to do. Let me tell you this, discipleship is messy. So if you like everything clean, neat, it's probably not going to be comfortable here very long. Because it means people are dealing with things in their life. And we're coming alongside of them and we're helping them deal with things in their life. And all these people that were up here and all of us have messy things in our life. If we're really transparent. And this is why discipleship is so important because it doesn't just change the person being discipled. It changes the person discipling. It draws us closer to the Lord. Because we are fulfilling what God has called us to do. And I've told you this before, but if, if I told you all the, the vision and the things that I believe that God is calling our church to in the days ahead, it would scare you half to death. You know why I know that? Because it scares me half to death. But it's not going to take one or two or three or four of us. You say, aren't you comfortable? I mean, look at the room. It's full. No, because there's still people in our community who need Jesus. There's still people in our community who are saved, but they're away from God this morning and they need to come back to God. They need to come back into fellowship. They need to come back into accountability. They need a church where they can grow and where they can be challenged and where they can fulfill the, 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 the ministry that God has given them to use in their own life for his kingdom. And so, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us putting first things first. It's going to take all of us setting aside secondary things in our life to say, my, my reason for here, my primary reason for being here is to invest in the kingdom of God, to pour into people's lives, to enter into Bible studies so that I can grow in my own faith, not just so I can become some overweight Christian spiritually, but so that I can exercise by pouring into someone else that which God is teaching me. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a degree in order to pour into someone else. And what we see from the Word of God, church, is that God has called us all to make disciples. To be a witness, to be an invite, and to pour into other people's lives. So next week, we're going to look at Acts chapter 16. Did we even read a verse today? Shame on me. We've set the stage, all right, for next Sunday. 
But I want you this week to look at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to look at the priorities of our church. What should be the priorities of our church? That's what should be the priorities of our own lives.